You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And after a few random picks, we're starting a uh, continuation of a franchise. It's not a full franchise review. It just happens to fall this way. What are we doing, Matt? We've already talked about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, but uh, we're here today to talk about their bogus journey. I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. Once they made history. I must see to it that you die. Now, they are history. Bill and Ted are dead. Welcome to hell. It's the Grim Reaper, dude. How's it hanging, death? But they're having one hell of a time. This is not what I expected this place to look like at all. We got totally lied to by our album covers, man. Taking in the sights. Not bad, dude. We totally knew a guy got one of those in his bucket of chicken. Making new friends. Excuse us, dude, but is there any way we can get back? You may challenge me to a contest. J7. You have sunk my battleship. Best two out of three. What? Enjoying the family. No way! Invading the present. I totally possess my dad. Battling <laughs> the future. You metal, dude! Excuse us, but your shoes are untied. And meeting their maker. Guy, congratulations on Earth. Not to mention your other great planets. Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. It's the comeback of all time. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's a trip. Best of seven? Damn right. Ah, dude. Left hand red. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Wow! We're going to hell, man! And we're going to hell. Uh, yeah, man. We uh, One of our more popular episodes is uh, Excellent Adventure, and we love that movie very much. Uh, spoilers, if you haven't listened to it yet. Uh, but the, it was time to talk about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey with the uh, third movie on the very close horizon yes face the music and that'll be fun to talk about once that comes out on vod i know it was canceled because of covid but now it's back on vod i'm excited i get to watch it in my living room all by my lonesome <laughs> yeah it's funny i've seen uh one and two in theaters uh and this, this third one I won't be able to see in theaters. And I wasn't even alive for one and two when they were in theaters like the first run. <laughs> I've heard that a few of the theaters want to put in these movies that didn't get released like a couple weekends. And I've heard some of these, you know, uh, distributors are down with it once COVID is, you know, we get whatever it goes away or we get a, a vaccination, whatever it is. And man, I hope they do it because I really, really want to see. I don't care if it's crap. I'm going to pretend if, if it's the worst film in the world, I'm going to be like, nope, greatest thing I ever saw, save the world. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to, regardless, if this made it to theaters, I would want to see it in theaters. But again, not now. There's not a fucking chance in hell you can get me in a theater right now. Unless but, it's uh, just us. It's just us, like, 30 <laughs> feet from each other. Like, right. Hey, that, is, that would be about it. Uh, so, yeah, waiting probably waiting until this is yeah like you're saying over and if they do a re-release of it would love to see this in theaters regardless of what i think of it uh when it does come out okay let's get into our little bit of history on this obviously neither of us saw this in the theater i don't think nope well i've seen it since i've seen it in rep screenings but not uh oh you're lucky i've seen the first one in theater that was a retro screening but not the second one yeah this one this one i feel like doesn't get as much play 
uh, but it, it has been in the last couple of years because that's how I was able to catch it. But uh, I feel like, yeah, Excellent Adventure was the only one that was in theaters for ever for like those retro screenings. No, I always had to defend this movie. That's my history on this film is typically defending it where I'm like, no, nah, this movie's excellent. Not as excellent as Excellent Adventure, but it's excellent. <laughs> Mine has just been, I mean, I've been obsessed with both of these movies forever. And really, like, in the last, like, I don't know, five-ish years, I've really fallen deeper in love with both of these movies and just watch them both all the time. And it, honestly, for me, they're, like, equals. Like, I, you could throw on Bogus Journey, you could throw on Excellent Adventure, Either one, I'm happy. Like, I like both movies a whole lot. And yeah, like I said, in the last few years, I don't know what it's been. Maybe I sensed that there was a new one coming uh, or something. But like, I really dove deep on these two movies and just I watch them like every few months. Well, a sequel for the a third one, I should say, a sequel to the sequel has been talked about for a long time. Even after Bogus Journey came out, they considered revisiting it. But really, Keanu Reeves was on fire. He was just a star. And Alex Winter kind of wanted to go a different direction. He didn't want to get completely typecasted as Ted. And neither did Keanu. Uh, I think this it just needed some breathing room. Uh, personally, this might be the perfect time because 90s nostalgia has come back after our 80s nostalgia wave, you know, now we're getting the blend. We're getting the early 90s where we have the blends. We're getting some 80s nostalgia still, but we're, you know, you can see the transition, uh, especially with what the kiddos are wearing, because I, I would love to have the Wild Stallions hat that Ted wears in this one. Oh, I'm sorry. Bill wears it in this one, doesn't he? I don't remember. I don't remember the hat. I don't remember it. But nevertheless, you would look fashionable as hell wearing it now because all that look is back in. Well, I mean, that's what I grew up in. I've got pictures when I'm at school and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of neon. Yeah. And you you look like modern now because that's like what's what the kids are wearing these days. OK, so the director of Bill and Ted, which is or I mean, Bill and Ted's bogus derby. Peter Haywitt. Do you know anything about this dude? Uh, no. I think he was at the screening that I saw this movie at, but I don't. Uh, I don't know anything about his uh, directorial past. Well, I do have a beef with him. The only reason I saw the original Garfield the movie, two thousand four, was because he directed, and I go, "What? The director of Bill and Ted's Bogus <laughs> Journey? I've got to see this." And at the end of it, I was like. What did I just watch? Damn it. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't know that. That's crazy. So like Garfield, the movie, <laughs> Bill Murray. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. I've seen worse, you know, CG animal movies. <laughs> it's just Garfield just felt like the most uninspired. It's just like, hey, we got to put this out. It's going to make money, you know. Moms and kids love Garfield. And the jokes were just recycled from the newspaper, which I understand. You're trying to do the best hits of the newspaper and bring in the new generation. I get it. But at the same time, it's just like all the writing was lazy. Yeah, I, well, I've seen it, too. It, it's bad. <laughs> we're not going to do a small podcast on Garfield, but if we did, it would mostly be you and me going, Ugh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what Bill Murray did after he accidentally signed on to that movie thinking it was a Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> Just, uh, well, uh, they are paying me a lot. So Yeah, he was like, well, he looked at the paycheck and he was like, not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's done a lot of other stuff that I've never seen. He got pulled onto this because they saw The Candy Show. And it was a movie that he did a couple years before, and it had a very strong visual palette. And Alex Winter talks about it in the documentary of Bill and Ted Go to Hell that Shout Factory put out. And it's a really good documentary. It's 52 minutes. If you love Bill and Ted, you love Bogus Journey. I mean, hell, you just have to love the characters. And it's fun to hear them revisit and wax nostalgia. It's great. Uh, you learn a lot of really cool stuff. If you're a nerd like me, it's, you know, just it's Coke. Give me, give me, give me. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen this the Shout Factory ones of these. I got to pick these up. I, I noticed another interesting thing that he's directed uh, was an episode of uh, Tales from the Crypt 
when they went overseas to do the uh, British season, which is currently, as I'm going through the Tales from the Crypts, what I'm watching now, which is hilarious. But yeah, he did uh, He did one of the British episodes of Tales right after Bill and Ted and uh, Tom and Hook. Oh, sidebar. So did they do a bunch of HBO Tales from the Crypts in the United States and then they moved? Just the last season they imported over to Britain. Oh, I wonder why. Do you know? I think it was a money thing. Okay. How is the UK cheaper than the United States? <laughs> I have no idea. I think, well, my theory, my theory is, and this is not proven or researched or based on any fact whatsoever, but I heard, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my theory is that uh, they started it as a spinoff for a, like a British Tales from the Crypt, ran out of money for the US version, and we're like, we this has to just be our next season. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. Uh so Tales from the Crypt for me, and we'll end this sidebar quick, and maybe I'll cut this whole thing. So uh, Tales from the Crypt, I'm really more of like the first two seasons kind of guy. And then it kind of just, I don't think I've seen all of the rest. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, well, the first two seasons, the first, actually, I think three seasons are different showrunners. And then four on is new show. So the show does kind of change a flavor. But I'm working my way through, and I'm almost done because I'm on the seventh season, working my way through seeing all of them so I could be a little bit more of an expert on Tales. That'd be fun to do. I don't know. That's a large commitment. <laughs> yeah, it's taken me years to get through the seven seasons because they're long seasons too. So Okay, sidebar over. Going <laughs> back into Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Uh, I mean, if we're walking down the aisle to rent this bad boy what you see on the cover is first of all william sandler bill i think we're gonna call him bill sandler bill sandler <laughs> he's our friend now we're best friends and uh he's he's on the top left and he kind of steals the spotlight in this movie in my opinion and a lot of people's opinion so he's he's right next to the logo which is the right which is awesome amazing 90s font and then we've got Keanu Reeves just below him to the right, you know, and they're all Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters, Bill and Ted are like smashed against the window. Mm-hmm. The VHS cover, I don't, is that? I think it's I supposed to be like the phone booth. You think? Like yeah. we're like we're the perspective of the phone booth. Okay, yeah, and then we got Orion at the bottom. We got a little guitar cut out, you know, with their names in it. It's most excellent. This white cover like this this vhs particularly was the one that grabbed me at the video store in the 90s like this is the one i absolutely rented because of the cover the uh my one of my video stores i went to as a kid all the time had the poster for this on the wall so i was definitely attracted to it because i knew that bill Seller was like some kind of death-like character you know some kind of uh, supernatural character so i was like attracted to that and then yeah i saw this vhs cover and absolutely rented it i saw this one before excellent adventure actually i saw this one first and yeah just immediately taken by it so yeah i picked this one up based on the cover for sure oh actually the cutout of the guitar says featuring slaughter's shouted out music video nice I-, I love it when they do that i mean that would make sense that's like perfect orion like tying the advertisement right to the video yeah. That's what they do. They do it so well. Yeah, they were selling soundtracks at the time, and they were, you know, promoting all the music that uh, they had in the movie, and there's a ton of it. All right, flipping it to the back here, we've got a quote at the top. Well, not a quote. It, you know, it's a tagline. Once they made history, now they are history. The The pictures aren't as fun as the last one. You see to the right, we've got them playing games with death. We've got them meeting evil bill and ted we've got a production still of them with you know death bill sadler and then we've got them just about to rock out maybe it's the beginning where they were trying out for battle of the bands or it's the end i can't quite tell nice so getting to the description on this bill alex winter and ted keanu reeves are about to make the most awesomely triumphant comeback in rock and roll history when the heinous d nomalus is that what the bad guy's name is I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I was just calling him like the fat British guy. Yeah, the the bad guy. <laughs> so I guess Dino Malice um, dispatches evil Bill and Ted robots to totally kill the San Dimas duo. Not only is the future of the universe at stake, but there's like no way these wild stallions can win the battle of the bands. Luckily, when they knock on Death's door, he's dumb enough to answer, becoming their faithful servant in one whacked out journey through heaven 
hell in San Dimas, California. Bill and Ted meet Martians, marry their historical girlfriends, and even learn how to play their guitars in this hilariously non-bogus hit movie. Yeah, this uh, back of the VHS tape is very bright. It's <laughs> neon yellow, neon pink. It's ridiculous. Hard to read. <laughs> Let's pop this tape in. And now, our feature presentation. All right, we've got the music video, and then we just have the movie. Let's do it. Let's get into it, then. Ted, what? I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. All right, we start off in the future. I don't even know what year it is. Do you remember? <laughs> no. 2,691. Nice. And it's like the perfect utopian future where we're all studying music. We land in the future that uh, Bill and Ted have made for us, basically, by doing the first movie. Yeah, and these costumes are... I, okay, I don't like the boots. I love the brightness and the big, like, I don't know, ceiling structure that they put together for it that actually apparently came from Mom and Dad Save the World. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I guess that movie had just ended and they took it and they just, you know, repurposed it. And it looks great. I don't like the blocky boots. I love the bright colors. But then we get introduced to the bad guy that kind of, in my opinion, doesn't seem to matter in this movie. But, you know, he sets the story off. Yeah, he pushes pushes us in the direction of having, like, basically the bad guys feel are the evil Bill and Ted, not so much this guy. So, and it pushes us to get those guys. And I love I love evil Bill and Ted. I think it's so funny. Um, but yeah, this guy's not very necessary in it. I love this future uh, set though uh, because it does it does feel. The way they shoot it and everything feels very visual. And uh, maybe this is the Pete Hewitt's coming through. I haven't seen a short from before, so I don't know how, how visual it was or whatever. But like, it's a very interesting looking future that they've put together here. Uh, it looks good. It looks cool. It's like if, if, if I was watching this movie for the sci-fi, which I'm not. I, I like this movie because I think it's funny. But like, if I was watching this movie for the sci-fi, I feel like it also is as good as a sci-fi movie as it is a comedy. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, I do have one big question, and I don't know the answer to it. Why is George Carlin barely in this film? Do you think he was just busy? Do you think 91 was just a super busy year for him? I don't know. I don't know if they started to write him out because he was too busy or if the original script had more of him in there. I just don't know because they don't have anything really on that in the documentary. It's a mystery, but, uh, you know, his character... You know, latches on to uh, Rufus, latches on to the top of the time machine, the little phone booth, and he flies back with Evil Bill and Ted. And then Evil Bill and Ted just look out at San Dimas and they're like, awesome, let's go blow it up. <laughs> Something like that. And uh, George Carlin, Rufus, turns into Pam Greer. So <laughs> that's what happens to him. Yeah, that's so weird because... So he walked all the way over to where they were trying out at the time. This <laughs> Pam Greer. I don't know. Whatever. But they suck. Wild Stallions suck. The girls seem to be pretty good, but Bill and Ted still suck. Yeah. They got to practice. They got to learn to. Uh, they got to earn being the rock stars that they become. But they still get into battle of the bands because they work for, I don't know, pretzels and cheese. Yep. <laughs> Which is hilarious. So. Uh, and then we see, you know, one thing that kind of, <laughs> I think, surprised everyone in the movie. Bill's dad is now married to Missy. No, Ted's dad is now married to Missy. Yes. I mean, mom. Yes. So she's still here, but she is now uh, <laughs> formerly Bill's stepmother, now Ted's stepmother. <laughs> uh, yeah, they talk about that in the documentary. They're like, well, this doesn't make any sense, but let's just roll with it. <laughs> so uh, she's and then he's like, um, <laughs> Ted's. I guess real dad or no Bill's real dad. Wow. I'm going to keep doing this in this movie. Bill's real dad is like shoving a Twinkie down his throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, uh, because Ted's dad is more featured in this is probably why they did the switch with Missy because like Ted's dad has like the big scene in the police station and stuff. So he like is more featured in it. So I wonder if that's why they made the shift over with her. Ted's dad's more interesting than, Missy and Ted's dad are the most interesting from Excellent Adventure. 
Right. They're they're like the interesting parental figures, but parental in air quotes because Missy's like their age. <laughs> it leads us to getting at least that scene with uh, Missy and her new age crew. The new yes. age dudes. <laughs> I was hanging new age dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're just, oh, what are they like trying to call the spirits? Yeah. Uh, that I mean, that must have been a giant trope in the early 90s. Oh, yeah late 80s early 90s like i thought of the gate immediately when uh that scene was on because they they're doing like the same new agey kind of party in the gate that they're doing here well i mean the 70s you had the whole satanic panic so i guess in the 90s it just came back as like we're calling spirits yeah because i remember what the craft 96 we had like a little you know warcraft witch run in the 90s so i guess it kind of makes sense yeah, there were all those shops and stuff popping up with crystals and, you know, holistic stuff in the early 90s. There was a ton of them by my house. Like, they just started popping up. I think it was just in at the time. Yeah, and evil Bill and Ted, I mean, you can really tell that Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are having fun with evil Bill and Ted. We lie. But here's the truth. We're totally going to kill you now. <laughs> no way! Yes way, Ted. We're fully programmed to do it. Yeah. And we want to do it, too. <laughs> you dick, Bill! <laughs> Ow! You metal, dude! I know. Check it out! <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Let's go. Bogus. They're just as funny as regular Bill and Ted are. They crack me up in this movie. Yeah, and how they're just total dicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're the worst. So they give their sweet historical girlfriends little bitty promise rings to get married. I guess they're promise rings, but they're say they're getting married, whatever. Uh, and then they can pay for it. They can. I don't know what they're going to do with the money if they win the battle of the bands. I kind of just don't pay attention to that. It, it doesn't matter. Because it's not part of it, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Evil Bill and Ted end up taking real Bill and Ted, which I love. By the way, the um, camera work where they're doing like the split screen of both of them interacting, uh, both uh, good Bill and Ted and Evil Bill and Ted interacting, I loved. I thought they did such a great job. It really seems completely seamless to me. Yeah, I think the smartest thing they did was have them like attacking each other because then they could do the split screen easily then it did you know it wasn't like bill was attacking bill and ted was attacking ted and it would have looked probably terrible it probably would have been like rear screen projection or something but the way they were able to do it with split screen here it looks really yeah it does it looks seamless and then uh you know they end up killing bill and ted which is most heinous but i do love when they're dead that they just paint a monochromatic right they wake up and they're just uh they're just still same Bill and Ted. It's just like, they're like, oh, we died. <laughs> and this is really when I think all the visual people involved in this movie, it just takes off. The second part where they go to hell and they meet death. The visuals are fantastic. You can see him playing with the camera, too. It's just like the angles and, you know, they're doing some Dutch angles or they're just doing some really perverse weirdness with the camera. And I love it. And I also love the forced perspectives they're doing in each one of the scenes. Because first they go to hell and they're like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is like all our album covers. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, if I die, I'll give you my mega death clash. You did die. <laughs> oh, then they're totally yours, man. <laughs> but I love it when they split up in hell, which I would never do. If you and I go to hell, we're not splitting up. Nope. Strength in numbers. Ted goes into like an Easter bunny pink room where he steals the candy for his little brother. That fucking bunny is terrified. Theodore! You made your little brother cry! Yeah, like, horror, horror bunny, for sure. <laughs> oh, I guess before that, it's the military school. Yes. Yeah, where he's just like, get down and give me infinity push-ups. Yeah. Hey, Ted, I don't think I can do infinity, man. <laughs> And then, and then uh, Bill's story is just horrifying with the grandma that wants a kiss. It's just, like, unbelievable. <laughs> How about a kiss for your dear old granny? So, Kevin uh, Yager 
is the special effects makeup guy in this. Nice. He's, he's done a lot. You know, he did the makeup for Freddy Krueger. He's worked. He did the animatronics for the Crypt Keeper and Tales from the Crypt. A hell of a resume. I mean, he's. We've done a few of his movies. Uh, one of them being Starship Troopers. Nice. One thing that you'll see, like, he loves to do severed heads. You see it in a lot of movies. Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin rips off heads all the time. You've got Billin's head here. Evil Billin's head are playing with their own heads. Mm-hmm. People's heads are getting mashed or getting stabbed and their brains getting sucked out all the time. So he loves to do that. He also loves to do face makeup. And as you can see, that grandma that him and Alex Winter kind of came up with. Woo. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty nasty. It's pretty, pretty creepy, pretty gross. Uh, I do love that it is Alex Winter in there, though. That cracks me up. I think that I think that's perfect. I honestly did not know that until we started doing, you know, I was prepping for this movie. I had no idea that was Alex Winter as the grandma. He disappears very well. (laughs) He disappears in that makeup. It's very good makeup. Creepy. And then they all start chasing him out in the hallways. These like really claustrophobic hallways too in hell i've always had like this weird obsession with the like the hallways in this movie the tunnels and i love the way they're shot i love how like they do like the speed ramping with the camera when they're like running down the hallways and they're being chased by their i guess dreams or or hell representations of their biggest fears whatever whatever they are when they're being chased down the tunnels uh it's very memorable and this is just one of those super standout Mm -hmm. things like i always have this visual in my head of like them running down these hallways and it just because it looks so cool and it's such a simple thing that they could have done easily but instead they did it uh they did it in a way where it's real stylistic so this one always stuck with me this is why i always defend this movie i was like visually this movie shines way above the first one the first one just has that like the movie's just so much fun, the first one. It reminds right. me of being a kid. There's You can put it on. Nothing in the world else matters. Everything's positive. This one's just vis- visually striking, and I just think much more interesting of a film. That's how I like always defend, and I love both of them. It still has some of that affable, lovable, genuine you know dorkiness that the that they bring in the first movie. It's like you've got this really visual, cool aesthetic, Plus, just goofy Bill and Ted being just Bill and Ted. And it's like, it's a wonderful combination. And we should also just really kind of like talk about Ted's dad getting to play Ted. Yeah. Uh, This actor's name is Hal Landon Jr. He's a theater actor. So he got into this movie and he came back. And I think he's going to be in the third one. Nice. Yeah, I think everybody's back in this third one. Yeah, he gets to play here. He gets one scene where they possess him in the the police station. And I think he does a really good job capturing Keanu Reeves, like his version of Ted. I think he does it really well. Okay, dudes. I mean, fellow policemen. My son, Ted Theodore Logan, and his friend, Bill S. Preston Esquire, have been murdered and replaced by evil robots from the future. You totally did it, dude. I totally possessed my dad. Okay. You gotta go over and arrest these robots so they don't ruin everything for me and Bill. I mean, uh, my son and Bill. And most importantly, they don't hurt the babes. No, I think he tears it up. He does it so well that the other guy who does Bill is uh, not anywhere near as good. Not as funny. Like No. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't even know if they should have done it. I, I think they should have just kept it at Ted or at least get someone else to do Bill. And I know this uh, character actor has been in a lot of movies, of course, probably most famous for Total Recall. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. So his name is Roy Brucksmith. Yeah, Roy doesn't do as well. I, I don't... Mm. I definitely would have picked someone who could do a better bill. That's all I'm saying. It was just nice to have somebody for Ted, Captain Logan, whatever, to bounce off of. Mm -hmm. No, I get it. Maybe go with someone else, but whatever. It's a small role. I mean, Ted's dad just tears it up. So Yeah, he's so good in it. Back to hell, because I think that happened before that, because they gave death a Melvin. They escaped death. Then they go into hell somehow, because I think of the new age people, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they eventually bump back in to Death, and Death's like, yeah, you can get out, but you got to beat me in a game. And that's when we get this, that this is where, I mean, Bill Sandler just goes off as like this Eastern European death. Choose your game. But if you lose, you will stay here in hell forever. Yeah, he's doing this riff on Seventh Seal, but like it, it, that's how he gets this fucking hilarious accent. So he said he based this off this character that he had done in the 80s, where it was this Eastern European accent and everything. And so he had no idea he was doing a rift on the Seventh Seal. Oh, so he hadn't even seen it, so he didn't even know. <laughs> no, because he, he had done this character before. A sli- he said it was slightly different. So that's why he felt so comfortable in this character. And Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves and them talked about, like, from day one, he didn't need to catch up. He didn't need to get comfortable. He just came in and he did this character and they're all like, holy shit. And he said, yeah, it's because I've done this character before and I just slightly changed it for this movie. I don't know why he would lie about this. Yeah, right. No, he probably did. He probably did just have this in his arsenal. Yeah, you can tell he's comfortable in this role. He's uh, very funny. Very, very funny. We we already said it. He steals the movie in, in the best way possible. Like, in the most beloved way possible, he steals the movie. Well, and that's why, like, the three of them together interacting, the ent- the rest of the movie in the second the second part and the third part, and the third act, you know, third act gets kind of crazy, but this second act is definitely where this movie really clings to me that I love it so much because of their chemistry. Their chemistry just leaps off the screen. Absolutely. You tell everybody likes each other. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's laughing like everybody's playing and it's so fun to watch. Yeah, the second act really gets to show them and their comedic strengths, all three of them and the visual flair behind the scenes. You know, the people bringing this these visuals to the screen. It's a one. The second act is like a wonderful combination of all the pieces falling into place for this movie. Yes, love it. They end up beating him at like Battleship, Clue. The final one is Twister. I can't remember the rest in there. I remember the uh, the great little scene where they're playing that little bitty football game that I never never got into, where they're like football players vibrate and and they just look at him after they win, like best of seven. Damn right, right. (laughs) Love it. Uh, so they get out of hell and he has to become their servant. So he immediately takes them to heaven somewhere. I don't know if it was immediate, but somehow they get to heaven and the heaven set piece with all the miniatures and the bright white colors. Really cool compared to the contrast of hell. I love hell a lot more because you could see the creative people getting to play. But there's something about the nice contrast of you know, heaven's been done like this. We've, we've seen this before. So they've got to do something to spice it up. And they put in two random genius aliens called Station. Yes. This is where this film really kind of goes down two paths for people. Some people are like, Station's weird and I love it. Other people are like, Station's weird and I hate it. <laughs> Almost certain that you and I are going down the we love this weirdness. Oh, yeah. I love Station and his big-ass butt crack. I think it's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, I love Kevin Yarger when he's talking about designing this, that at first it was much more serious-looking, and they're like, nah, you know, it's got to be funny. Station's got to be funny. We don't know why Station's funny, but it's got to be funny. And we also don't really explain why he can only say Station. Or she. We don't even know what it is. We don't even know what it is. It's an alien that just says Station. What he ended up doing, he goes, uh, I don't know. So he gave it a big-ass butt crack, and they're like, nailed it. <laughs> and uh, Tony Cox uh, started and is in one of the uh, little station guys, but he ended up quitting because he hated it. Oh, wow, that's funny. I did see yeah, Ed Gale's one of them from Star Wars, so he might have been, I don't know if he replaced Tony Cox or if he was the other one or something like that, but I did see he was in the cast. Yeah, they said he was really good in the suit. Had no problems and kind of just created his own little character with the movements compared to the 
Well, because, you know, the first station was Tony Cox and then replaced with someone else. I actually don't know who took over for him because I think Tony Cox did the majority of station, but yet he's uncredited. Yeah, I see here uh, Ed Gale and Arturo Gill are the two credited ones. So Arturo Gill maybe took over for Tony Cox. I don't know who he is. I haven't seen him in anything else. I don't I don't think I know his name. They end up getting out of heaven, but I do love how... So, so this movie's got kind of a few things where I'm like, mm, maybe you shouldn't have gone with that. Definitely when... I like it when evil Bill and Ted use the F-A-G word. But I think it's strange when good Bill and Ted use the F-A-G word in hell. Yeah, it's. I think it's just the time. It's the time. You know, I just think Valley Boys talk like that in 91. I just think that that's time period accurate. As unfortunate as it is, it is, uh, it is what it is. It's a time thing it's different time <laughs> i always like it when like kids from the 80s use it because we did right uh and we did in the 90s uh but it's much better when uh bad guys use it because it's just like an easy like oh how dare you you're so well, bad well it's just like you're ignorant you know way, yeah. to, way, way to make your yeah uh bad guys look stupid and i think that's a that's a good way to do it but yeah then when, when the good guys do it then it's harder to defend or whatever but uh it is just time period specific <laughs> well bill and ted go into heaven and basically just you know steal <laughs> uh whack whack some uh i don't know what are they amish and then steal their clothes and i'm like oh man you're doing this in the pearly gates of heaven <laughs> yeah and you've got death with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh well Fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> and then and they talk to God. I just love when they walk away and they're like, catch you later, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just love how it doesn't matter how big the person is or the entity or whatever it is. It's just always like, all right, be excellent. Yeah, they're just still Bill and Ted regardless. Like, it doesn't really matter. They meet all these historical figures in the first one, and then they meet, like, God and Satan in this one. They're still just Bill and Ted about it. <laughs> yes, and then we start Act 3 of this, where this movie just goes bonkers. Yeah, the Act, act 3, we bring it all together a little bit here. They get Station, you're like, hey, Station, you want to build a good Bill and Ted robots to be evil Bill and Ted robots? Station. All right. And then they go to like a hardware store with death and get a bunch of parts and start building good Bill and Ted robots. Yeah. To go to the battle of the bands to save their most excellent girlfriends. Right. To beat evil Bill and Ted who are going to perform instead at the, the battle of the bands as they're like talking shit to the girlfriends and stuff like that. I love these robot Bill and Ted's. I think they're the coolest thing. They look amazing. Yeah, I don't know who the breakdancers are that they got. To I, I it's shrimp and something. I, shrimp I and taco. Shrimp and tacos, fantastic names. <laughs> uh, shrimp and taco are like breakdancers in these costumes, and yes, I always remember too. It's like they're such distinct movements. It's weird, and I love it. There's got to be animatronics in there for like the face. But like the yeah. the animatronics for the face and like the bodysuits, they're so in sync. It's kind of amazing. I mean, they're not used much, I'm assuming, because they're very difficult probably to keep all those parts on the break dancers and then doing the animatronics with the face. But there's just enough. Maybe it's perfect because you just don't want to overuse that. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it, it looks seamless to me and it looked it looked still good to this day, like very good performances mixed with the suit. Oh, and then we forgot to tell um, the audience, which I'm sure they know, because if you haven't seen this, oh, no, what's wrong with you? Yeah, why listen to us talk about it? Watch it. <laughs> station smashes together and we get a giant station and then we get an even bigger butt. When one of the first times I saw this movie in the 90s, I thought this was the pinnacle of comedy, like station with a g giant butt crack. I didn't think there was anything funnier in the world when I first saw this. <laughs> I also love that Death gets jealous of Station, which was completely made up by Bill Sadler. He's like, well, I was the guy that was helping them. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just like, I, I also, too, have a butt, <laughs> or I have a nice butt. <laughs> yeah. Reaping burns a lot of calories. <laughs> so, man, he's just a walking uh, clip show. Oh, yeah. It's going to be very tough for me to edit in, like decide which ones I should edit in. Because I was like, I could just pretty much play all of his death scenes. Act 
Actor William Sadler most excellently plays death in this off-the-wall Bill and Ted sequel. You must play me again. What? Um, best two out of three. Sadler had a wonderful time playing the Grim Reaper, which he said was a novel experience for him. I've never played anybody as silly as this, or as fun as this. I mean, I come from a different background entirely, I and mean, it's like, you know, the training and the stage and so on. So coming to this, um, it's been very, uh, um, you know, energizing, because you never know which way the scene's going to go. You never know what's going to happen. Shoot the rehearsal because it may never happen again. Yeah, any any quote he has is quotable. I my favorite is uh, "You have sunk my battleship." <laughs> I also like "Damn right." <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So then they go into the battle of the bands, and they've got to save their historical girlfriends, the babes. Mm-hmm. They get into a fight with the evil Bill and Ted. I think. Good Bill and Ted knock off their heads, and then the bad guy just like smashes down with the time machine, comes in with a gun, and then they start rifting on the like, oh well, we're gonna go into the future and and you know leave a key here, and or no, the the bad guy leaves the key here. You're right. The bad guy leaves the key. They put a cage down on him. Yeah, they go back and forth with like time traveling, but of course. Bill and Ted come out victorious because they're the time travel experts. <laughs> yeah. this I mean, this is also, again, where I was like, ah, you know, this bad guy is just not doing it for me. Uh, I'm more interested in... I was more interested in the evil villains' heads, and I, I kind of wish they would have been the end. But I get why they did this, because this is the guy who created evil villains' head, and he was supposed to be, you know, the main baddie. But Bill and Ted had never even seen this dude. Right, they just know he's the guy that created Evil Bill and Ted, so that's their reason for getting him. The one thing I will say about the, the bad guy that I do like, I like his costume look. I like the the deep neck thing that they have him in, and like his bald head and stuff. It, it's a, it's a cool look. It almost is very like Star Trekky or something like that. I like I like the look of the bad guy, even though he's again barely in it. And Bill, Evil Bill and Ted are the real bad guys in this. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to figure out what their inspiration was. Was it like Star Trek? Was it more Star Wars, like Nazis? But it's also blocky. So I was it the Borg from Star Trek? I was trying to figure it out too. I was like, this is so interestingly. I, I just don't like the boots. That's all I don't like on these. Things, <laughs> the boots just look like they couldn't walk. Yeah, they they take big steps, like really like heavy steps. Uh, maybe that's too. They couldn't have them moving around a lot, so they were like, "Yeah, Bill and Ted, they can get around." Yeah, Ted's dad shows up, arrests the bad guy, and then Bill and Ted are like, "All right, it's time to put on a show." Oh shit, we don't know how to play, but they do know how to time travel. <laughs> it was a quick sixteen months of intensive guitar training, Ted. Yes, it sure was. I do like their looks. How. Bill comes down with the big beards, you know, ZZ Top look. Right. And then Keanu's got kind of like a metal, I don't know, mustache, like conquistador look thing. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I I, I thought that was fun. I, I get it. You guys spent 16 months. And then, uh, oh, man, Death's got his little his little rhyme that he does. Our bass player, the Duke of Spooks, the Dark of Shocks, man with no tan, please say hello. You might be a king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later you dance with the Reaper. show business <laughs> yeah these guys uh as you know the the more hardened adult bill and ted now uh can't wait to see the sort of their transition in in this third one from these characters that we last saw at the end of two here yeah it's gonna be really interesting because they have kids they had which i know the third one showed in the trailer i barely watched any of the trailers on purpose i don't want to i don't want to know the story when i actually watch the story 
Same. I only watched the first trailer because obviously I was super hyped that it was happening. And then now there's been two more trailers and I'm like, no, I don't need to see those. I'm just going to watch the movie. No, I just I recognize one of the uh, I think Ted's daughter. Yeah, she's Samara Weaving from Babysitter and Ready or Not. It'll be interesting to see. And yeah, the the we saw them as little kids uh, in, in a bogus journey here. And then we'll get to see them as as adults now and it's fun it, it they call them little bill and little ted uh but they are played by girls in the movie so i think maybe the intention was to always have them be girls at some point when this third one eventually did happen so very fun I, you know who knows I, I mean if they call them little bill and little ted in this i just think connect that on because i think alex winter was very much involved in the writing of the third one yeah, I think well, and it's the same guys too. It's uh, it's Solomon and Chris Matheson. Yeah. It's it, it Bill and Ted themselves still are writing this new one. No, so I, I'm pretty sure all three of them sat in a room and just came up with the movie. And Keanu Reeves had a lot to do with it too. So it should be interesting if all four of them get writing credits. I mean, I haven't checked. It doesn't really matter, but we're definitely going to talk about it when we talk about the new movie because that's yeah. what we do. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. But yeah, it's like uh, I really want to see how they take this ending and turn it in, you know, push it yeah. forward with the next one then here. Well, and then they play uh, God Gave Us Rock and Roll. Yep. Kiss. Yeah. So that was awesome. Which is also the song because I've seen Kiss once before live. It's also the song Kiss plays as like their credits are rolling as well. After they leave the stage, they do, you know their big last song and then uh, follow the fireworks and then they leave the stage. And then this song comes on as they're like, do like the thank yous and stuff like that. So I thought it was funny that it's like the credits here and it was like the credits in the kiss concert as well. <laughs> yeah. And I got to admit the, the soundtracks. Cause I, I know they get, um, they reference every rose has a thorn when they're talking to God, but they don't actually, mm. I wonder if that song's in, it's not in the movie. They it's don't not in the it, movie, but I wonder no. if it's in the soundtrack. Yeah. I don't know. I've never actually listened to the soundtrack of this movie. I, I just know that they've got... Megadeth is on there. I Megadeth. know that. The Slaughter one that has the music video. Is Mega No, Megadeth's not the station. Uh, the station song, Battle Station is... Oh, Winger. Yeah, when they come uh, at the very end when they're going through the credits and they're showing all the newspapers and everything, Alex Winter said that was a real bitch to ride around. Yeah, because they kind of like show the rest of their lives, basically. Now they've got a retcon a little bit here yeah and that was not part of the original script that was added post that no one even knew about it they didn't know any of that stuff was going to be in there until they watched the movie in the movie theater oh wow so i assume that everyone had decided i guess from the from the big boys on up they're like yeah this is done that's very odd to me or they just weren't thinking and they just didn't give a shit yeah no ryan probably knew they were in financial trouble and we're probably like well we're not gonna get to make anymore so fuck it so the movie was made at a 20 million dollar budget and it hit 38 now they said they did they got a modest return on it from the box office because they actually didn't market this movie much well you have a great poster that i saw in video stores and it worked so i wonder if that helped it might have because this movie played a lot on syndication and you know the street date of the vhs sold well it rented well I was shocked that, you know, we didn't get I'm shocked that they didn't push for a sequel or to at least push other people into the Bill and Ted roles because, you know, like Home Alone, they take these franchises where they think they can sell VHS. I'm surprised they didn't do that. But I do really wonder if Orion going under really helped that never to happen. Yeah, I like to do like a direct to video Bill and Ted with totally recast and it's mm -hmm. like bill and ted the early years or something like that and it's some young guys in there and it's just a direct-to-video thing yeah I'm, I'm glad that we're saved from that for now <laughs> with the third one coming out who knows what could happen now and orion being desperate to cash in on all of its old properties now well, uh, who knows as orion <laughs> right right because mgm but, as themselves have tanked <laughs> so they're, they're making it on franchises so just sell that shit off I mean, but we have one of the beautiful things, though, of that happening is the fact that we are getting this third movie now. You know, at least at least there's been good coming of their cashing in on all their properties. Some interesting behind the scenes is how much this third hack had to be omitted and changed because the original script 
had like the Easter, but basically all the bad guys from hell that they were in, in the second act, Bill's grandma, uh, Ted's giant Easter bunny, the military guy, they all come out of hell looking to bring Bill and Ted back. So we got a giant like werewolf bunny that Kevin Yeager actually still has that he designed that they ripped through the um, top of the van because initially Bill and Ted were supposed to be building the good Bill and Ted robots. Station had nothing to do. Station had to be added later because they're like, we don't have the budget for this. This is nuts. We don't have the time or the budget. And they, you know, had a release date that they had to hit. So they're like, omit, omit, omit. Let's stick some aliens in there. We think it's funny. I think Station initially was part of the script, then got taken out and then put back in. Nice. Because a lot of people didn't understand Station. They're like, how is this even funny? And they're like, trust me, it's going to be funny. And they were right. Even even still with a scaled back, it's still a very ambitious movie. I mean, all of it, like from going to hell to even what is left of the third act here is very ambitious. Yeah, I'm really surprised that Nelson and Orion agreed to the script. It's gigantic. Exactly. They signed off on this. So, and yeah, it's a big, it's a big script. <laughs> Cause from what I remember, the original Bill and Ted was definitely under $10 million. I think closer to five to make it a 20 million, you know, more than double it. It's kind of crazy for just, you know, a movie that's, it's supposed to be small. So you can always make your money back. They just had a lot of, they probably had a lot of faith in fan energy behind it. Like, I, I bet, it's the same thing that's happening with this third one coming. I bet just, like, people being excited about it was enough to, like, warrant, yeah, spending a little extra money, doing a little extra stuff in it. Like, people like this movie, so people like the first movie a lot. So this one's got, uh, you know, okay audience reviews, okay critic reviews, okay, like, algorithm reviews of all this. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of love now that it, it's gotten this cult following. Yeah, it in a big way. Yeah, there's a lot of people like every time you bring this up, they're like, I fucking love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it feels like the followers of this movie or the fans like you and I are very passionate about it. And I think that's what really kind of like separates it between the first one, because all of us are like, yeah, the first one's excellent. It's awesome. The second one's the only one where there's an issue. And then people who do like it, they're like, it's most excellent. It's a most excellent sequel. Most, most non-bogus sequel. It's not most heinous. Yes. If you and I did Bill and Ted, and then we had to sit and write a new script, because, you know, they had a while to write the first Bill and Ted. Man, what do you do in Bill and Ted 2? Right. You know, Bill and Bill and Ted is was such a fluke thing anyway. It was it was their routine that they did as comedians and then they turned it into a movie, a movie that sat on the shelf for almost two years, and then it finally comes out and is a big hit. How do you go from like you're you're so removed from those original kind of uh, sketch routines you used to improv routines you used to do as Bill and Ted. You're so far removed from that. And now you got to get back in the seat and do a bigger, more ambitious sequel. It must have been tough to get back into it. Well, yeah. And you only have so much time. They said even though they started working on the sequel like four months after the initial release. And they're like, yeah, we had a couple scripts. You know, they had flirted with the idea of Bill and Ted going on to English class to do another report. But as soon as I heard that on this documentary, I was like, just don't put out the same thing again. Right. And I'm glad they did go with this go to hell sort of concept. I also love how they're like, we are not. That's not going to be the title. (laughs) (laughs) The distributors. No, it's changing. I like Bogus Journey as a name. Bill and Ted go to hell is just fun, you know, to say as like a an Uber fan. Uh, Actually, it was called Bill and Ted go to hell. But bogus journey is what it is. Like they say bogus so many times in the movie, they say the phrase bogus journey, and then like go to hell is just such a specific moment in the movie. You know, it's not the whole thing. I I like bogus journey better as well. But go to hell is a fun alternative title. Did you ever read any of the comic books of this? No, me neither. But they were showing some of the drawings from the comic books on this documentary. I I kind of want to. Kind of want to visit it because the bunny that they showed, I don't know if the bunny's, you know, in a lot of the comics, but it is gnarly looking. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. I also, did you ever watch the cartoon? I never watched the cartoon. Bill and Ted. Bogus. Bogus. 
I watched a little bit of it. I know Frank Welker does the voices of Satan and the Easter Bunny in this one. I think Frank Welker's also a part of the animation. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised because he does everything animated. <laughs> yeah, I watched a little bit of it, but it also reminded me kind of of the Clerks cartoon where I just, it's tough. It's tough to like take these independent or underground movies like this or whatever you want to call it, small surprise successes and turn it into a cartoon. I just don't know if it's grandiose enough. I'm sort of I'm sort of obsessed with these things like uh, uh, I'm not obviously following up on it because I'm not like watching the cartoons or anything like that. But like sort of when something becomes a franchise, even though it's only like one or two movies, uh, like I'm thinking of also like the mask uh, had it, too, where it was only the, the one movie. But then there was the show or Beetlejuice, you know, had the show and it almost sort of adds to the world of these uh, movies like men in black before the second movie came out, I had a cartoon stuff like that. I'm sort of obsessed with all of these. And I feel like one day I'm going to dig in on all of the different like spinoff shows uh, because I'm, they're fascinated by them. Yeah. You could do the TV series that shaped us nineties kids. Mm-hmm. It is interesting though, that they did all of them. Cause I know like ghostbusters, the real ghostbusters kind of like made the franchise so much bigger for us kids growing up at the time. Right. And the same thing with Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Because at least with Ghostbusters, we got a sequel. And, you know, then we've had rumors about the third one, you know, for the last 8,000 years. And then we got a reboot with all female casts that the internet went insane about. And I just kind of was like, I just didn't think it was funny. I don't really care. Yeah, it was just a shitty movie. It didn't, <laughs> it wasn't because of what they did. It was because they didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we've got another one. I don't know what the hell it is. I have no interest in the new one. Uh, it might be good. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying Steve's like, I don't, I, I got my Ghostbusters. I What are you going to do? What are you going to do that's going to change my mind? We'll see. I'll watch it. I just won't go to the theater and watch it. Well, no one's going to go to the theater and watch it for a while. But <laughs> Nobody is. Yeah. You might be watching it in the very same TV that you'll be watching Bill and Ted on. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? So that's going to end it with our behind the scenes and the total review of the movie. And I must say, Matt, is it time to go on to the museum? I think it's time to go on to the most triumphant museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out like Indy into this film jungle, this VHS garbage pile that we actually call treasure and bring something back to our Bill and Ted wing of the museum. Who goes first? It's always a, a coin flip. You can go. Go for it. I'm, I might take this from you, but I'm going with Kevin Yeager's uh, grandma makeup. Nice. It's pretty legendary. It's pretty, it's pretty legendary, gross, and scary. I also love how it just had a connection to Kevin Yeager, too, or Yeager. I don't know how you say it. It's not Yeager. It's, I think it's Yeager. It is. No, actually, you're right. It's Yeager. Is it Yeager? Yeah. Oh, like Jaegermeister. I had no idea. Right, right, right. Kevin Yeager, yeah, where he based it sort of kind of off his grandma with the whiskers because he's like, when I had to kiss her, it really hurt. I think it was his great grandma. Oh, wow. That's a, so it's based in fact. That's hilarious. And how Alex Winter added the hump. He's like, no, no, I want a hump. <laughs> yeah, it works. It, it really brings the character to life with that hump. <laughs> it's a gross. Mwah! Yeah, it's a gnarly one. All right. What you got? stations butt crack uh yes. it's the funniest thing i think later in my life i've definitely uh glommed on to death a little bit more i think death steals the movie i think he's so funny but i mean one of the things that got me so young and i still think is so juvenile and hilarious the giant butt crack cracks me up every time right on i can't argue that that's not most awesome <laughs> all right that's gonna end it this week for bill and ted come back next week when we i mean guess what do you think we're doing next week guys just guess. We, might be, we might be facing the music next week guys 
I mean, it's a rumor. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But the rumor is we might be facing the music. And even if it's bad, it's going to be fucking awesome. Okay? I'm going to love it no matter what because it's going to be fucking Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter together again doing the bit that cracks me up. And Sadler. And, well, the whole cast. Everybody, Missy's back. Like, everybody's back. Like, you I'm very mom? excited. I mean, mom. Uh, but, uh, yeah, everybody's back. And uh, it, I can't wait. Uh, even if the movie sucks, just having them back is going to be enough for me to love it. Yeah, I really like Captain Logan, that actor. So I hope how Ladin Jr. comes back. I think he's, I'm almost 1,000% sure he's back. I can't wait. I'm going to probably have a breakdown when I watch it. I'm probably going to just be like overwhelmed with joy. <laughs> so come back next week on our biased podcast to face the music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come back next week to hear us inevitably love a movie we haven't seen yet. <laughs> yeah, see, Star Wars fans learn to hate the movie before it comes out. Bill and Ted fans love the movie before it comes out. Exactly, and that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come back next week. I already announced what it is. And remember to be kind. And rewind.